If you are ignoring your emotional and physical needs because you have an internal pressure that's driving you to be perfect, always busy and productive, then you have to listen to my next guest, Dr. Nicole Yance. I know lots of you listening to this will be able to relate to that type of pressure you feel that puts everyone else first and your needs last. Nicole paid the price and is here with me today to share her story to help you avoid the same mistakes Nicole made that led to being burnt out. And welcome, Nicole Yance. How are you? Very good. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here because we are going to have quite an important discussion about burnout, which I know a lot of people are really struggling with right now. Um, And you have come back from being burnt out. So I want to kind of delve into your story Mm -hmm. a little and find out what happened and how you got yourself to be where you are today. Sounds awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So take me to the beginning. How did you know that you were uh, burnt out? What were the signs for you? Mm. I will say that I probably was burnt out for quite a long time and didn't see any of the signs. Only in hindsight, I sort of realized, oh, this and that very surely um, shows that I was already over the edge. Um, So... I think the biggest sign for me was a panic attack that I had on a train. I was commuting at the time and on the way back, I just felt like I cannot be in this train. I can't breathe. Everyone is looking at me. My heart was racing. I was sweating. I was in a full blown panic attack and barely made it home. To be honest, I, you know, I just held on. um, And with every stop, I wanted to get off the train, but also I needed to get home. So when I got home, I went to the GP, um, to my doctor, see what's going on. We initially thought I had a cold. And, you know, when I took two weeks off to just cure that cold, suddenly I noticed that everything in me screamed no when I thought about work. When I opened my email, I got stress feelings. My chest got really tense. Mm. When I thought about my teaching, I was a university lecturer I started sweating. So suddenly when I, you know, it was a more quiet phase when I was supposed to heal from that supposedly what was a cold, I started really seeing a lot of signs. Anytime I thought about work or what's expected of me, my body gave me very, very uncomfortable signs. Mm. Um, And I think, yeah, that my body really woke me up during that period. And then soon after I realized together with my doctor that I, you know, checked all the boxes of burnout, being disillusioned from work, being quite cynical about my impact on the world as an academic, um, feeling really stressed out, overwhelmed, and just not not functioning, not wanting to go to work or actually wanting to leave the house. Wow. Okay. That, that sounds so intense. And um, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to your experience on the train, is often what leads to then uh, a form of travel anxiety. Did that happen for you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I did not step on a train for quite a long time after that, months and years, because I associated 
sitting on the train with being in an unsafe situation that could potentially kill me because a panic attack does feel mm. it almost feels like you're dying like all your organs are not you know not functioning anymore so yeah it uh, i'm still struggling with that absolutely okay um let's go back into what was it that led to your uh, you know your your burnout your panic attack what was it that was was not happening for you that was it, you know, we often think of burnout as your emotional and physical needs simply not being met for quite a long period of time. What was happening for you? Yeah, oh, that's so true. And I love that you are separating out the physical from the sort of emotional and mental because I thought it's purely physical. I was commuting and I had, you know, two young children, one of them still a baby. And my commute was three hours one way. And then three hours back door to door. And, you know, I was on the go two, three times a week, traveling, teaching, taking care of my students, writing my research, and just sort of back and forth, back and forth, thinking, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm a tenured lecturer. This is amazing. I'm doing this career thing and I'm being a mother. I'm doing it all fantastic. Mm. Um, and not quite noticing that I tended to get more tired and exhausted every single time I sat on that train and went back and forth. Um, and so that is the physical side. And I think we often tend to overlook that the body gets tired and just feel like, oh yeah, I'll sleep on the weekend. But the emotional side was probably even worse. And I think I I did not really want to look at that because I, I am a perfectionist where I had perfect, even stronger perfectionist tendencies then. And as an academic, you really feel like you cannot slip. You know, you do want to produce high quality work. You want to publish it. There's a lot of pressure to get published um, with your research. You cannot slip when you give a lecture in front of 400 students. It needs to be spot on. All your colleagues are successful. You go to conferences and see all these amazing people. And so I think mentally, I was just constantly pushing myself to be better, be perfect. And all of the things that we really need, trusting yourself, taking a breath. I'm feeling quite breathless right now as I'm talking. All these things didn't really happen for me. I felt quite mm. disconnected from myself, just in this hamster wheel of, of being this amazing academic who is traveling and, you know, having this great career when really, when really it wasn't. Oh, you know, it sounds like there was a lot going on for you. So what would you say to someone who's thinking, mm, I'm not sure if I can relate to this a little bit, but am I burning out? What other signs do you think would be important for someone to recognize that there is a problem beginning to develop? Hmm. I think a very simple sign is when you're not taking breaks anymore, yeah. It's counterintuitive, right? So you would yeah, think yeah. everyone who feels a little bit overwhelmed and exhausted will take a break. I did not manage to take breaks in my day. I just crammed my day full and I just, I could not stop. Even at night when it was time to calm down, you know, settle, um, I didn't do any of these things. I was full on and then I dropped dead into bed and throughout the day no breaks and I think there's often a tendency that behind that is I need to do more I need to do more like this thought I need to prove myself even more even in the back of your mind so that showed for me as in not taking breaks in getting more and more tired but instead of 
stopping and calling in sick for a week or something like that. I really only did that when I had my massive panic attack. Mm. I thought I need to work harder. So I told myself, and I see a lot of that in academia and also now as an entrepreneur, that you feel like something isn't quite going as smoothly or something isn't quite right. And you think, oh, I just need to work harder and then it'll get better. <laughs> so if anyone has these sort of thoughts and feelings, you know, take a breath and think about what might be behind it, I would say. Did you ever feel guilty if you tried to relax? Did you ever feel, you know, like you've got children and they wanted, they obviously wanted to spend some time with you. How did you feel when you were doing something that might seem indulgent, you know, being playful, being creative with the family or even resting when you should be this perfectionist, you know, driven person who's always achieving? Mm. I think I didn't, I didn't think I was feeling guilty. I think now in hindsight, I probably did. I almost felt like not deserving of rest. Wow. Um, I know how ridiculous that sounds, but I just felt I need to be a really good mother. You know, my children haven't seen me all day. I need to be a really good partner, a really good researcher. And, you know, I, I don't think I realized that I didn't allow myself to just give myself some space. I didn't even know how to how to relax. I would sit on the couch thinking, okay, I'm going to relax now. And I would sit there and just feel uncomfortable not knowing what to do. It was a really weird concept. Yeah, I bet. And so you didn't even know how to relax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the term um, stress lax? Stress laxing? No. Yeah. So it's where people actually get, yeah, people get stressed because they're trying to relax. There's this part of the mind, which is, you know, especially in this capitalist society of ours, and it's all about the productivity, where the conditions, especially for women, you have quite a large uh, mental load at times. There's so many things that you're you're negotiating, you, you know, uh, juggling. Uh, and that's a, a lot of that is from uh, social conditioning. Um, and we, and we kind of collude with it, which is it's such a shame. Uh, but I, I guess things are changing. But when uh, especially women, they sit down to relax instantly it's this tension inside where they think I need to be doing something else that's much more productive you know the dusting needs doing that we haven't vacuumed I've got to get the kids ready again or do something else um, and then there's something that the mind doesn't let go of that one thing they need to do um, that is, is, is sort of focusing on until they actually get up and do it so it, it becomes really hard to relax and you're right I don't think people know how to fully relax how do you relax now then? Yeah. Um, how do I relax now? Mm. Um, I'm sort of using rituals um, to trick myself into relaxing because I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm trick still having a hard time bit. doing it. Yeah. Um, and so what I do is I have, um, you know, I have a little Bluetooth speaker. So I put on jazz music. Mm. Um, it's the same. It's always the same playlist to tell my brain it's time to calm down. And I do that, okay. you know, around six o'clock. Um, I do have scents, like either an essential oil or a scented candle, and I sniff a certain smell, usually lavender, when it's time to relax. Um, I definitely change the lighting in my room. Um, I lower the lighting, put on a sort of more indirect light. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I'm really good, I listen to a meditation, actually one of yours, Paul, where, oh, you nice. know, just for 10 minutes, I follow along and just do the breathing and just be in that moment. And when I can do all these things, I'm 
a completely different person. I, I like that. I really like that. And uh, I'd, I'd recommend, obviously, a self-promotion, one of my meditations, because they are, they are relaxing. A lot of people, I had a nice message today from someone just saying they love the NSDR ones, which is a non-sleep deep breast meditations, because it really is a way of beginning to train your body to relax, which is difficult if you find that part of you going, but we shouldn't be relaxing. There's something to do. So there has to be some investment yeah. in training the mind to be okay with learning to relax. Um, what, just talk about relaxing just a little bit more, but I want to go back into in a moment to um, how you recovered from burnout. Um, what value do you give relaxing now? Because if there's little value for it, if we don't see the point of it and it's just an indulgence or something that you're forced to do at the end of the day, um, then you're less likely to do it or you'll resist it. So um, you talked about tricking your mind into um, into relaxing, which sort of sounds like there's a little bit of resistance. Um, but what value? Yeah, do for you sure. Place on, yeah, yeah, what value do you place on relaxing, or could you place more on relaxing? So um, we are talking about that uncomfortable thing, right? Relaxing is still mm. slightly uncomfortable, even though I have my ritual and I know how important it is. So the value for me, my easiest way to connect with it is to say, "Do you want to slip back into burnout?" Or do you want to take care of yourself? So yeah. since burnout was really heavy for me, that is sort of an easy way in um, to put, you know, a high value. But that is still a little bit pushy. It's almost like punishing. Oh, do you want to get, go back into burnout? Don't do this, right? So the other way that works better um, for me is when I am relaxed and when I am doing a meditation or I am slowing down my breathing, I feel that I can connect to myself. And I'm sort of moving out of my head and all the things I have to do. And I sort of, I move into my body and sometimes there's even some tingling and I just feel so calm and connected to me, myself, um, just the inner Nicole. And that is a really blissful feeling that I don't have a lot because I am hustling around my life. Right. Yeah. And so that is the carrot. And I, when I am in a good mind spot, you know, mindset and not too stressed out, I remember how I felt the last time I meditated and how amazing it was and the smile it brought to my face. And then I brought that to my children and to my work, to my clients. And so I try to use that carrot more than the stick of you don't want burnout. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that's that. the, the ability to fast forward to what will go wrong if you don't do something, I think is one of the most important uh, trainings we could ever give ourselves. It's such an investment in our mindset. Um, so I hope people listening to this really do take seriously, if you can relate to what Nicole is saying, to take your rest and recovery uh, more seriously. Plus, did you find that from recovering and spending time resting, that you were more efficient, that you got more done, um, that you were more productive at work. What will happen there for you? Because that's a good value, isn't it? If, yeah. we, if we go, oh no, just rest is just rest and um, it's just indulgent, then I'm not going to get much out of it. But if you're driven by success and you want to achieve something, the importance of recovery has to come up, doesn't it? Absolutely. So when I'm rested, 
when I have had time to digest, I'm not just a coach or book coach, I'm also a writer. And I can see it a lot in my own writing. When I've had, you know, a period of learning something new or figuring out the next poem or the next blog post, and then I had a bit of time to digest or and even some time to recover, I am then writing from a completely different place. I'm writing from calm, from being connected, from spaciousness. I have a lot of ideas and I write faster and I get into flow faster. So I don't need to force myself to sit there and type the next word, which is, you know, again, that's the stick, but I can, I can get very easily into flow. And I probably do that thing that I was meant to write in half the time, if not faster. And so if someone is more interested in the productivity side of it and just, you know, saving time in your life, writing from or acting, creating from a calmer and re relaxed and rested space is speeding up the whole process. Oh, and right. it's more enjoyable too. Yeah, I think you have to experience it to believe it, isn't it? Because I think some people listening to this would be like, what? You know, I thrive off of adrenaline. I thrive off the buzz of, you know, that, those deadlines. And, and yet they're exhausted. And how can they think clearly when they're, you know, they're coming from a flight or fight response within the brain? Yeah. And I think, you know, this deadline orientation, I mean, that is happening a lot for writers and creative and anyone, entrepreneurs, right? Acad mm. Academics. I see a lot of people working just before the deadline. And of course, there's this adrenaline and the pressure. But is it really that high quality that you are producing within the last two hours just before your deadline? Are you really enjoying the process? And also, I think that often when we wait until the last minute, this that's really procrastination, right? And mm -hmm. it's sort of there is some something else going on that isn't quite right that we haven't maybe connect to the writing or there's something we haven't figured out fully, the argument doesn't flow, or maybe we are just afraid it's not good enough. And all this fuzzy feeling that pushes us into procrastination is sort of silenced when you are just before the deadline because there's really, mm. really no space. But yeah, you carry yeah. that pain and that uncertainty and the procrastination over into the next time you you have another project up until the very last minute. And so you keep carrying all that baggage with you again and again and again. And that is, by the way, also contributing to slow boiling burnout, um, yeah, yeah. I would say. I, I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Just a quick break to say I am so excited to announce a brand new podcast channel to help you transform your life in ways you might not yet be able to imagine. 2023, we are kicking your ass. Now, this is a channel of experimental content I know you are going to love. Now, Mindset Change Another Level has exclusive deeper subconscious training meditations to help you upgrade your long overdue programs that are holding you back in life. You also get searchable meditations without ads, intros and outros, so you can find your favorites super easily. You get access to masterminds to help take your mindset change to another level, and you get to engage with me in a whole new way. And as a thank you for supporting the new channel, you get discounts from my group workshops too. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes and come and join. Oh, and feel free to come and join my WhatsApp community too. 
I can't wait to welcome you. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to what you're saying there, especially with that deadline and how we feel we, you know, we get stuff done and we even make excuses that this is all my, this is my best work, surely. But how would you know if you've been only using a small mm. fraction of the, of your brain power because you've just been in that flight or fight state? Um, how did you come out of burnout? What was it that really helped you? How did you begin to heal? Yeah, oh man, that took, yeah, it took a really, really long time. And I tried mm. all kinds of different things. Um, I did try meditation, probably more half-heartedly. I did try yoga. I did go for walks. And I think all these things really helped to just calm my nervous system. But mm. it didn't get me out of the mindset of, oh, I should, and I'm not good enough, and I didn't do this, and what are my colleagues going to say and think? And so it carried on quite a long time that I kept thinking, well, I'm I'm doing all the right things from all the books that I read about burnout because, you know, being me, I researched it heavily. Um, and I just felt like something is still not working. And so I remember that day I called my mom, who is a very practical, pragmatic German, and I said, I don't know what else to do. I'm trying to be quiet. And, you know, and she said, find yourself a project. Just do something. Find a project work on it and see how you feel. And I thought, well, that's odd. I've just had burnout and you're telling me to work, but mm. she didn't mean it that way. So I really only almost randomly signed up for a creative writing course. By the way, that was in the middle of lockdown. So there were a lot of online writing courses that yeah, you could yeah. book. And I booked a six week course at the University of Cambridge on how to write a short story. And I remember how in the introduction I said, I'm here to grab what's mine. I want to be a writer again and be creative. And I, that came out of me without me even thinking about it. And everyone else in the room was like, oh, wow, what's going on with her? And so that was the first point of sort of reconnecting to what I really wanted, which was writing and being creative and being in charge and feeling empowered and feeling, you know, positive things, hope. And so I started every week writing a mini story, this and that, all kinds of things. I was not very good, but I sort of suddenly, I felt myself, I started thinking, oh, I have a future and I can, there is another space I can go to that is not dark and painful and, you know, stressy. And so I kept going. I did one course after the other and I was almost hooked to it because I saw how much space it was opening up and how I just, I behaved differently. I, you know, walked through the world differently thinking, oh, that might be a story. And suddenly mm -hmm. my mind wasn't so much focused on how bad my burnout was and how my work had made me a victim and I'm a sufferer and it turned me into, I can create something. Mm. Um, and I will say that that was probably the biggest thing that made a change for me to move out of that burnout and the connected sort of thinking patterns that I had. You know, I think, I wonder if people are, are getting the message that I hope that they are, that creativity is so important when it comes to an emotional need being met. And we live in a world which seems to see creativity as a luxury, as something for just arty people. Uh, you know, it's not a real job, is it? That type of you know, it's, you've got to be doing something that makes a lot of money and, you know, being creative is for children. And yet it's something that is so essential 
with within all of us. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, because it's obviously just listening to you, tapping into your creativity was life transforming. Yeah. I think there was just no space in my life for anything other than work and functioning as a mother. And I think creativity is something that needs space. You know, as an academic, I spent 10 years writing a lot, writing down my research. And before that, as a journalist, 10 years, I spent down writing. And so I, I was probably creative in a way, but it was all very still perfectionist and very much like I got to do the job of writing all these things for my newspaper or for, you know, the journal um, that I was publishing to as an academic, but it wasn't really very spacious. And, you know, I had the secret dream of being a novelist or a poet or something, but it was sort of, there was never any space for it. And just bringing that creativity in my life and allowing it not to be connected to making money, but just for the pure joy of it and the feeling that it gives me and the connection to myself and to others, I really needed to learn that, the value of that. Um, right. And I feel like I have it now and it comes with the need for space, but also that actually helps with burnout because if I want to write on my book and my poems, I do need to make the space and that space that I am in when I'm writing and flow and I'm enjoying it is an, a complete antidote for me to overwork and, you know, victim mindset as well. So it all weaves yeah. in actually very nicely. No, I agree with you. And do you notice, because we've talked, I've talked about flow states on this podcast before and how I notice that uh, whenever, because I write every day. Uh, in fact, um, people won't know this, but Nicole is actually my writing coach for my first book and it's helped me structure my week and my writing and created a writing program for me um, so that I can get this book published. And we're looking at hopefully uh, getting that to happen next year. Um, but that writing period is so valuable because I also notice that when I'm in a flow state writing, A, time doesn't exist. Uh, you, you feel completely in the moment. But you seem to be drawn to this weird thing of synchronicities begins to seem to happen around you later on. Things which seem important to you, you feel like you're being guided. There's, um, you know, they're like strange coincidences which uh, seem to enhance your life. Um, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that when you, the more you go into flow states, there just seems to be this sort of sinking with life where it just seems to flow nicely for you? I think so, yes. So when I'm very deeply in flow, mm. I feel like I have much better access to my subconscious or some people might call it inner wisdom or the mm. universe, you know, whatever it is. I feel that often in the writing while I'm creating something, especially poetry, <laughs> because it's very personal, mm. an insight comes out that I didn't even notice and then when I close down my writing session I just go to my bookshelf and pick a random book and I open a random page and boom there is something on the same topic how did wow. that happen and then I have a conversation a few days later with someone and they bring up a similar topic or they have read that same book for yeah. example Eckhart Tolle I met this friend in a cafe after a great writing session uh, who talks about being in the moment. And she says, I am reading this book at the moment as well. And you know what? I've also been having panic attacks. And suddenly I feel like, oh, things are coming together. 
And mm. I think they wouldn't have if I if I had been in my heightened adrenaline, hustle, entrepreneur, making money, proving myself state. So who knows if this is psychological or if it's the universe, spiritual, I, I honestly do not care. But I see it in myself and I see it in the people I work with that things shift, something shifts. Mm, I, and I, I absolutely agree with that. And you do automatic writing, don't you, from your mm. um, from your flow states. Tell me a little bit more about that. What's automatic writing? It sounds exciting. Ah, it's so exciting. And I wish I had invented it, but I really <laughs> haven't. Um, it's been around for a long time. I know that the French poets and the surrealists have used it. Uh, they, you know, they would um, sort of in the middle of the night put on an alarm and then wake up. And without their brain turning on, would just write down whatever comes. Um, and so some I have a practice now that is quite similar where I put on a specific type of music, theta wave music, that is very good for um, sort of just calming down my thoughts. Okay. I turn off the light and I take pen and paper and I write without thinking. Um, and it's not morning pages, what Julia Cameron says. So it's not journaling. Journaling is something where you still have your brain quite turned on. You can explore and analyze a lot of things. It's very helpful. I tend to go into rants about things that bother me uh, when <laughs> I journal or in morning pages. But automatic yeah. writing is there to access your subconscious and to, you know, I ask questions to my inner guides and my, you know, my, my inner wisdom and I ask questions and I write down the answers and that is, wow. I get answers you wouldn't believe. It is really weird and it's very strange for an academic, scientific oriented person to talk about this. Yeah, um, yeah. There is something going on where I'm accessing truths and insights about myself, my business, my clients, my writing mm. that I would otherwise not get anywhere else. And can you share an insight you've had recently that you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience? Have you got something that you could tell us about? Yeah. So every time I'm um, doing marketing, so I don't like marketing, right? I feel like I need to sell something. I need to sell myself a program, a book. It's uh, when I approach it, like I need to sell something, I get stressed out. Mm. But I asked in my automatic writing, how can I market this planner that I'm publishing in a different way so that it feels good? How can I connect to people that they see me and what I mean to bring across with this, with the book? And so the answer was not about, you know, Google ads and Facebook posts and Instagram, this and that. And it only said, bring in the right energy to the table. So when you are in a video talking about this, that thing that you want to sell, Bring the energy of making space, of compassion, of connecting to someone else, of wanting to be of service, of helping, and that joy that you have when you feel connected. I really love feeling connected to you, Paul, or to people listening. Um, bring that energy to the table and just be you. And suddenly I can take a breath and I remember that I'm not here to sell X. I'm here to connect, to help, to have an awesome time with others and to move the needle for someone. And it, this is, it just changed, you know, how I approach this side of the business that is not enjoyable. And it suddenly, you know, then I put away that book, my automatic writing, put away my pen, and suddenly I feel calm, and I can actually talk about the things I'm doing without feeling the need 
for someone to buy that from me immediately. <laughs> it's more like I'm putting this out there. You yeah. know, what do you think? Well, no, I agree with that. I think a lot of creatives really struggle with marketing because they don't like the idea. I think it's a bit of imposter syndrome we can creep in with that. But also it's uh, they don't like that awkward confrontation of having an awkward conversation, putting something out there, uh, which uh, might get rejected. Um, and, and the way that our mindsets work as creatives is we often don't want to get into the nitty gritty of sales and how to sell and um, how to get the other person to be influenced by the sale, et cetera. It's quite a minefield where we can let other people do that. But when we come from a place of authenticity and we're looking at the other person as in, how can I help you? What is it that you're struggling with at the moment? Like, for example, you've just done a writing planner, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about that in a second. I need that writing planner. I know all about it. I want that writing planner because uh, I know it would really, really help me with the next stages of my book, right? So um, if you were to talk about that to me, then, um, and just tell me about what it does and, um, how, you know, what, what, how I'd benefit from that with my problem of how do, I, what do I, what, how do I get to where I want to be next, then that's not selling, you're helping me. You see, and getting into that mindset is so important. So I love that you automatic, you know, said bring it, you know, bring yourself to the table because I think that often gets forget it, forgotten. And when we're being sold to, we know. And if it's disingenuous, we switch off. 100%. Yeah. And I've noticed it. I've, I can see when I write my weekly newsletter what things I get responses to from people and which things just go out into the ether and I don't know what's happening. Probably mm. they didn't connect. And often there's a, you know, I can see the change in tone or I can see how I was writing that. Did I write it in a rush um, or did I write it, you know, in flow and just feeling quite, you know, one with my clients and everyone I'm, I'm talking to in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So the writing planner, just for a moment, if anyone's thinking, what is this writing planner? Uh, in a nutshell, what would someone get from uh, your writing planner? I'll put a link in the show notes, but what would they get? Because it's important to express your creativity and making time for this would be a wonderful thing to do, and especially to have some structure. But what would they get from the planner that would elevate them with their creativity, do you think? Yeah, so it's called the Right Habit Planner. And it's a writer's planner for, you know, writers, creative academics, podcasters, anyone who needs to make some space and time for writing. And, you know, the funny thing is I was actually going to write a book about that, a self-help book with the same title, The Right Habit. Um, and I dropped the book because I realized I'm making it harder. I wrote down lists of things that all the writers have to do to have the perfect writing system. And mm. you have to follow all these rules. And I had chapter after chapter and I felt really bogged down. And I felt like this is not going to help anyone if I'm dumping it on them. So yeah. I scrapped the whole book, which is really hard wow. for a writer's coach to do. And I turned it into very simple prompts instead. And the whole mantra for the planner is what if writing could be easy? What if you, in the morning, you open your planner and you answer three simple questions about your priorities, about how you want to feel today with your writing, about the first thing to do to start? What if you could do that? And it's just, that's what I, what I do that with my coaching clients. I ask them questions that are very simple, only ever the next step, never overwhelming. And so I try to bring 
all of these things that I would do when I coach you, Paul, or someone else yeah, yeah. into the planner, it. very yeah. sleek, very simple, it making does. it easy to start and to make the space. Well, yeah, because I'm so grateful for you. I mean, it is an, what you do is amazing. I know that because uh, you're my coach. And without you, this book, I know that wouldn't be coming into fruition the way that it is. And it's so exciting because like you, I started off, the, you know, the book about anxiety and how to set yourself free from it. Um, and the way that I started writing it, it like you, I was just thinking, actually, this isn't going to take it to where I want it to really be. And with your help, we've changed it to something so exciting so that's you know I'm very grateful for your help on that and talking about anxiety just for a moment um you came to visit me in Brighton recently on a train mm, yeah so we were at the beginning of the interview we were talking about I know it's difficult for you but you did it you've started traveling you've started driving uh you're driving on your own you're you've traveled on a train how did you do it Oh man, that was like in the, of the last half year or a year or probably three years. That was like the best day I had. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, right, I've been having really troubles getting on trains again after my massive panic attack quite a while ago. What really helped me was mindset work with you, of course. So you are coaching yeah. me on mindset. I am coaching you on your book. <laughs> but it really helped me to just calm my nervous system and have a general good life balance and, you know, be a creative person. And then that was sort of the basics. And then in the moment of having to get on the train, I needed to constantly tell myself that the negative voices that are saying, oh, you're going to have a panic attack and it's going to be awful and you're going to die and you know, you're going to puke or whatever else they would say to me, I would step back and just say to myself, this is a story. This is a lie. Right, me, right here, right now, I am safe. Yes, I'm stressed out a little bit, but that's mm -hmm. okay. I can get through it and I am safe. And sort of just catching Wonderful. those stories in my head that I was spinning, um, you know, if I had believed those stories, I would have gone right back home. And I, I I, almost did, I will say, you know, I must be honest. But I sort of stepped on the train. I had all the, you know, the excitement mm. and also the slightly anxious feeling. And I said to myself, what story do you want to tell yourself right now in this moment? Do you want to tell yourself you can have a panic attack and, you know, have to jump off the train? Or do you want to tell yourself that you can get through this? And you will then be in Brighton and meet Paul and sit at the beach and go into the water and just have a wonderful weekend. And yeah. so I really, it was very hard work, but I kept reframing in my head. I kept, kept doing my breathing exercises and I made it and it was the best weekend. <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. We had a great time and it was really lovely to see you. Mm -hmm. And again, and it was wonderful that you actually... You know, because I know how difficult it was for you to um, to get onto that train. And we've done some work with, you know, accepting it, accepting anxiety, breathing into it, changing the story. And you made it happen and you got here. And you're planning to come back. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I have more travel planned. I still need to overcome that inner, you know, there's always an inner block, like resistance against, against mm. the writing or against traveling. And so... I think it is a constant process to remind myself of the ABC model of, you know, accepting how you're feeling right now and then breathing yeah. into that to calm the nervous system, and then making a choice of what story you want to tell yourself. Like mm. this mantra is in my head, you know, actually with everything that I do, 
And I hope it'll get me on a train very soon and come back to Brighton, even though it might be a little bit colder next time. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit cold right now, but it, it's true. It's to, to change anything which has become a problem, we have to do what's known as rapid desensitization to it. In other words, you begin to make travel normal again. Um, and so anyone who's listening to this, who's thinking, how do I get traveling if I'm struggling? Uh, you need to invest in your mind. You need to calm down your nervous system and work with a variety of choices. You chose to change the story so that you can begin to desensitize yourself to travel. Just going to the train station on a regular basis, getting onto a train, short journeys, even if it's just a stop. And then suddenly at one point in time, your brain will can be completely bored of that because it's okay with that now. And you can begin to progress and move on to the next step. So I look forward to seeing you in Brighton at some point soon. Same. Absolutely. It will be amazing. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for being a great guest. Um, I'm going to put your details in the show notes. Um, but if anyone wants to, is listening to this thinking, I'd love to talk to Nicole about learning to write and get creative. Uh, find out more about this writing planner. Where can they find out more about you? Oh, the simplest is my website, NicoleJans.com. Um, and you can Google me as well. You'll find me. The Right Habit Planner has its own website now. It's called www.therighthabitplanner.com. Brilliant. They'll all be in the show notes anyway. Um, again, thank you so much for a very insightful and helpful interview. Um, and I'll look forward to seeing you in Brighton at some point soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for joining me for this episode with Nicole Yance and Burnout. Please, if you are struggling with your nervous system, Work on any blocks that prevent you from giving it the rest it needs. Work out what emotional and physical needs are not being met and do that too. If you need coaching, you know where to, uh, to reach me. You can find my details in the show notes. And I look forward to connecting with you in the very next episode. Have an amazing day. Mm-hmm.